In the life of the church, it doesn't get a whole lot better than this. It's Christmas Eve. No matter how old we are or jaded we may be, regardless of whether we deserve coal in our stockings, which we probably all deserve a little coal in our stockings, Christmas Eve never fails to work its magic. Maybe it's the music or the candlelight or the knowledge of what awaits us when we awake under the tree. There's just something different about Christmas that makes all the difference. And here we are. You know, some of us, some of you, you were raised in this church and you wouldn't imagine being anywhere else. Others of you made plans weeks ago and you were here for the first time. Some of you were here with questions. Others are waiting to get home to finish all the stuff you haven't done yet. Some of you made a last minute decision and you're still wondering, did we make the right choice to come here tonight? And my favorite group of all are those of you who were dragged here against your will. And of course... Among us, there are many for whom there are more Christmases ahead than there are behind. And, of course, there are some for whom there are only a few Christmases left. Whoever you are, whatever feelings and thoughts and questions you've brought tonight, it is my hope and my sincere prayer that at the very least, you encounter Jesus Christ, the light who shines in the darkness, no matter what. The angel said, do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, who is the Lord. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Whenever we hear this story... The story of Jesus' arrival into the world, born as a baby to Mary and Joseph in a manger. We often hear it and we don't hear how crazy and weird and unpredictable and strange this story really is. And scripture is to blame. The whole birth, it comes in a blink and you'll miss it part of the gospel. The details, of course, are important. Quirinius had just become governor. You know, Luke wants to root us in a time, in a specific place. He sets up the main and the important characters, but when it comes to the moment for which all of us are here tonight, the birth, it comes down to this. They were in Bethlehem. It was time for her to deliver, so she gave birth. She wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. That's it. That's a strange story, if you can take a step back from it all. Because this story, the travelings of a young, soon-to-be-married couple at the requirement of an empire, a baby... Born in some of the worst conditions imaginable, homeless shepherds receiving the best news the world has ever known. This is weird. It's a weird story. And whether Luke intended it this way or not, when we read it, it compels us to enter a strange new world. Every time we open up the Bible, we enter a strange new world. It seems like our world, and then something happens that seems out of the ordinary, and then somehow or another we see that actually it is just our world. Whenever we open it, we find ourselves among the likes of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We stand on the banks of the sea with Moses as he divides the waters. We are invited to the poetic ponderings of David and the wisdom of Solomon. And then here on Christmas Eve, we enter into a strange new world. And we hear about great joy and good news for all people. But this strange new world is our world And Jesus has come to save it. Now, a statement like that, Jesus has come to save the world, it requires us to know what exactly Jesus saves us from. And we were just singing about it. 
No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. But what is the curse? I mean, it's all good and fine to talk about how he's come to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. But what exactly is the curse that Jesus has come to destroy? We can call it a lot of things. We can call it sin or death or self-righteousness. But perhaps this year, on this Christmas Eve, the thing for us to consider is that the curse Jesus has come to destroy is the curse of thinking that in the end, it's all up to us. Because the truth is actually the opposite. Contrary to what we might hear, God helps those who can't help themselves, not the other way around. That's part of the good news of Christmas. Christ is born to do for us that which we cannot do for ourselves. Last week, I heard a story from a woman, and it's one of those stories that you, know, you hear it once, and no matter what you do, you just can't get it out of your head. You just walk around, and it comes back up again. This woman, back in the 90s, she tells a story about how she found herself one night curled up on the floor of her apartment. Her newborn baby boy is in the next room, and she's waiting for the baby's father to come back with some heroin. She's a horrible drug addict, and she just can't make it through the night, and she's at her wit's end, and she is terrified. She's terrified about what's going to happen to her if the drugs don't come. She's terrified about what's going to happen to her if drugs come and she gets to take them. She's terrified about the authorities coming to take her baby. She's terrified that maybe the baby needs to be taken away from her. She's strung out. She's on the floor. She feels all alone in the world. She says it's the worst moment of her life. And she's there in a fetal position, and she just keeps opening and closing this tiny piece of paper. And on the piece of paper is a phone number. Four years before, her mother had reached out, sent her this phone number in the mail, and said, I know your life is in pieces. This is a number for a Christian counselor. If anything really bad happens, maybe this person can help you. Four years since they last talked. She's just sitting there unfolding and folding this piece of paper. She's so desperate, she's so afraid, that she can't even believe it. She starts to dial the number, and she hears it ring, and a man picks up the phone. And he says, hello? And she says, I'm sorry for calling so late. My mom gave me this number, and I, I think I'm in a lot of trouble, and I just, could you maybe listen to me? And she can hear the man sort of like maybe shuffling his covers aside from his bed, and he says, yeah, tell me. Tell me what's going on. She said that before she realized that she started to tell this stranger things that she had never told anyone, things she hadn't even told to herself. And she said to him, I, I think I'm a drug addict. I, I think I might be endangering my own child. I'm worried about the child's father. I'm really, really scared. And the conversation keeps going. And the man on the other end, he doesn't judge her. He doesn't offer her any advice. He just listens and says, wait, tell me more. Are you okay? Do you want to say more about that? And keep talking, talking. And soon she looks out the window and she sees that the sun is rising. They've been on the phone since 2 o'clock in the morning. The man has listened and listened, and for some strange reason, she feels better. So as she sees the sun come up, she says, I'm so sorry for keeping you on the phone so long. You are really good at this. I want to thank 
thank you, but don't you think you're supposed to give me some verses from the Bible I should be reading? And he laughs and says, no, 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 that's, that's not important. I just I want, to know, I want to make sure you're okay. And she said, no, seriously, I feel a lot better. How long have you been a Christian counselor? He says, well, I've been meaning to talk about that, and I don't want you to hang up. You know that number you called, the number you said your mom gave you? It was the wrong number. <laughs> Complete stranger. Woken up in the middle of the night to listen to a woman who knew nothing about simply because she needed help. It's a dog for a little bit longer. You know, they kind of joked about this strange happenstance of fate calling an absolute stranger in the middle of the night. And they said goodbye and they hung up. She doesn't know his name. She doesn't know where he lives. Doesn't know anything about him. But when this woman told the story, she said, when I hung up the phone, I felt something I've never felt in my life. She said, I felt peace. I used to hear about love, love out in the world. And I'd never experienced it until that moment, until that stranger listened to me on the phone. And she ended her story by saying, it was that night that I learned that even in the darkest moment of your life, all it takes is a pinhole of light and all of grace can come tumbling out. I haven't been able to stop thinking about that story because that's good news. That's the light that shines in the darkness. That's grace upon grace upon grace. God's grace is unconditional. We, of course, want to put conditions on it all the time. We want to say you have to be good enough. You've got to show up in church every Sunday. You have to have A's on all your tests. Your children have to love you. You have to love your children. You have to make the right amount of money at your job. You have to save the right amount of money for retirement. And that has nothing to do with the gospel. God's grace is unconditional. We put conditions on it, but that woman that night when she was laying on the floor, she learned the truth of grace. It comes without our deservings or our earnings. It is completely free. It's not expensive. It's not even cheap. It's free. And all it takes is the tiniest little ember, and a life can be transformed forever. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like the world is constantly telling me I have to do more or I have to be better. And it's exhausting. And even in church, we fall prey to this all the time. People like me, pastors, will look at it, people like you, and say, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And the only thing that happens when we're told what we have to do is that we feel guilty about all the stuff we haven't done. But on Christmas, it's different. Because on Christmas, God's strange new world has become our world. The whole Christmas story is about how we can't do enough, and that's okay. The gospel is that we were dead in our sins, but God, who is rich in mercy, has sent his Son to deliver us from the dominion of darkness. Now, that's some pretty lofty language, but darkness? Darkness is laying on the floor, holding a phone, not knowing what tomorrow will bring. Darkness is looking out at your Christmas table, missing someone who's not here anymore. Darkness is being afraid of what tomorrow holds and the week after that and the year after that. For each of us, there is a darkness that Christ has come to destroy. So hear the best news. In the end, it is not up to you. None of us are ever really prepared to do all the things we probably should. And Jesus shows up anyway. He shows up in a phone call. He shows up in things like bread and juice. He even shows up sometimes in Christmas presents. Each of us, 
Whether we like to admit it or not, you know, we come into Christmas damaged and bent and broken and sinful. We have contempt for ourselves. We have contempt for one another. We have judgments and prejudices and knee-jerk reactions. And God shows up as a baby and says, hey, guess what? I'm going to change everything. The birth of Christ is the beginning of a strange new world. A world where we're not defined by our sins or our shortcomings or our failures. But instead, the only thing that defines us is grace. So hear this good news one more time. News that is addressed for us. To you is born this day a Savior. To you. Regardless of who you are. Whether or not you understand it. Whether or not you believe it. Whether or not you're good enough or bad enough or somewhere in between. This news is meant for you. For you, the Christmas story has happened. To you is born this day a Savior. It is grace upon grace upon grace. So we offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord, in spite of our badness and even our goodness, you've gathered us here. You've gathered us in this place to hear the story that perhaps we're hearing for the first time, or perhaps we've heard it so many times we've lost count. A story that changes everything. The fabric of reality, the beginning and the end. It compels us to look at everything in our lives through a different lens. A strange lens in which we are only defined by what you have done for us. So as people here on Christmas Eve, oh Lord, we are grateful. Amen. Amen. As grateful people, it's good to be here, but even better if we are able to stand and share signs of Christ's peace and love with those who are here in worship.